Many people think some things are true because those things are asserted repeatedly and become true in our minds. This phenomenon creeps into religion. Did Adam and Eve eat an apple? Was Elijah taken to heaven in a chariot of fire? Did a whale swallow Jonah? Does the Bible say cleanliness is next to godliness? Did three wise men visit baby Jesus while he lay in a Bethlehem manger? Upon closer examination, we learn the Bible never tells us what type of fruit Adam and Eve ate. The Bible tells us a whirlwind took Elijah to heaven, not a chariot of fire. A great fish swallowed Jonah. Cleanliness, while admirable, is not next to godliness as far as the Bible is concerned. And Jesus was given three gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh, but the Bible never states the number of wise men, and they likely arrived when Jesus was nearly a year old. These are just a few examples of how ideas become true in people's minds because we repeat them repeatedly. The thief on the cross may be another example of this phenomenon. I believe the thief on the cross went to heaven because Jesus promised him, Today you will be with me in paradise. But many people believe the thief on the cross proves that all you need is faith to be saved. And to take it a step further, they also believe the thief on the cross proves one does not need to be baptized to be saved. It's this last idea I want to examine. Does the thief on the cross show us that baptism is unnecessary for salvation? Let me begin with a warning. We must be careful with what we assume about the thief. How do we know the thief was never baptized? The story of the thief is a few verses and contains precious few facts about the thief. Anything else we think we know about him is speculation. Here are a few facts we do know. John the Baptist and Jesus had been preaching the kingdom of God for approximately four years. Both John and Jesus taught a water baptism for the remission of sins as a part of their preaching. Both John and Jesus practiced a water baptism, though it was the disciples of Jesus who did the baptizing and not Jesus himself. The thief had some knowledge of Jesus based on what he said to the Lord. Although he initially ridiculed Jesus, he later rebuked his fellow thief, recognizing that Jesus was a righteous man. He didn't deserve this death. And the thief asks Jesus for a place in his kingdom, implying the thief had heard the message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Is it possible the thief was a wayward disciple of either John the Baptist or Jesus? And is it possible that he had been baptized by either John or the disciples of Jesus? If that possibility exists, can we assume with certainty that the thief had never been baptized? Now, all of these questions only prove one critical point. We only know what we know. Claiming the thief on the cross proves one does not need to be baptized to be saved assumes the thief had never been baptized. But that's an assumption we can't prove. We could just as easily assume the opposite is true. But let's set all that aside for a moment. Regardless of whether or not he had been baptized, here's something we can know. The meaning of baptism changed after the death of Jesus. Baptism after the cross is now to be done in the name of Jesus Christ. 
After the death and resurrection of Jesus, Peter commands, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. He says this in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Following the resurrection, baptism in the name of Jesus Christ is necessary because we obtain salvation through the name of Jesus. Two chapters later, Peter and John tell the Sanhedrin, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Acts chapter 4 verse 12. Baptism in the name of Jesus is so important that when Paul met disciples in Ephesus who had only experienced John's baptism, he told them their baptism was inadequate. When they heard this, Luke says in Acts 19.5, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. To be baptized in the name of Jesus was so important that people were rebaptized in order to do it the right way. After the cross, both salvation and baptism are in the name of Jesus. This is a major change. Paul reveals more important details about baptism's new meaning in Romans chapter 6, verses 3 through 7. In these verses, Paul states baptism symbolizes the death and resurrection of Jesus. But it's more than a symbol. After the crucifixion of Jesus, one is now baptized into the death of Jesus. He also says baptism in the name of Jesus Christ unites believers with the death and resurrection of Jesus. Here's the point. Jesus had not died as he spoke with the thief. One cannot be baptized into the death of Jesus unless Jesus has first died. The thief could not be united with the death and resurrection of Jesus if Jesus had not died. The crucifixion changed the meaning and purpose of baptism, something the thief could not have known as he slowly died alongside the Lord. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 and 12 tells us more about the new meaning and purpose of baptism after the cross. In Jesus you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism in which you were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Paul compares baptism with the Old Testament sign of circumcision. In circumcision, the priest cut off an unnecessary bit of flesh. In baptism, we experience a circumcision made without hands. Jesus cuts off the body of the sins of the flesh. We also learn Jesus forgives sins in baptism. The death and resurrection of Jesus makes this possible. We are buried with Jesus in baptism, and we raise with him through faith in the working of God. As Jesus hung on the cross and talked with the thief, the whole meaning and purpose of baptism had not been realized. It was only with the death and resurrection of Jesus that baptism gained a new meaning and purpose. And not only did the meaning of baptism change, but the death of Jesus changed the covenant. During his ministry, Jesus kept the law of Moses, and he encouraged others to keep the law. Scripture attests that Jesus was without sin— this indicates that he followed the law of Moses to the highest degree. When cleansing a leper, he directed the man to go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing as a testimony to them, just as Moses commanded. Luke chapter 5, verse 14. 
So Jesus lived faithfully to God under the old law, and he encouraged others to do likewise. But although Jesus operated under the old covenant, his ministry represents a time of transition. The law and the prophets were until John. Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. Luke chapter 16, verse 16. John the Baptist represents the beginning of a shift. The time of the law and the prophets preceded John, but the kingdom of God begins with John. Jesus picks up where John left off. Jesus preached about the kingdom of God and urged folks to become a part of it. And Jesus revealed one must be born again of water and the Spirit to enter the kingdom of God. John chapter 3, verses 3 through 8. So although Jesus lived faithfully under the law of Moses, his ministry represents a shift from the time of the law and the prophets to the kingdom of God. The death of Jesus represents a change in covenants. The covenant under Moses was insufficient, a point the writer of Hebrews stresses in chapters 8 through 10. By the prophet Jeremiah, God predicted that he would form a new covenant with humanity. The writer of Hebrews emphasizes that the covenant under Moses was flawed, otherwise a new covenant would not be needed. And when the new covenant went into effect, the old covenant became obsolete and grew old, ready to vanish away. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 13. We needed a new covenant. And God instituted it through the death of Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9.15 calls Jesus the mediator of the new covenant by means of death. In Ephesians 2.15, Paul says the death of Jesus abolished the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. When Jesus died, he fulfilled all the rituals, ceremonies, holy days, and sacrifices required under the old law. This is why the meaning and purpose of baptism changed. The entire covenant changed when Jesus died on the cross. It's why Jesus says after his resurrection, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned, Mark 16, 16. Therefore, baptism in the name of Jesus represents a change from the old to the new covenant. We live in a different age than the thief. He lived under the old covenant established by Moses. We live under the covenant of Christ. He could not be baptized into the death of Jesus. We can. We can be united with the death and resurrection of Jesus. The thief could not. And it's worth pointing out the thief was in an extraordinary position. All he could do as he hung on the cross was plead with the Lord for the salvation of his soul. Are any of us in the same position? But what if someone died in a car wreck before being baptized? Would their faith be enough to save them? Well, I believe God has the power to protect and preserve life. If God can protect and preserve life, does he not have the power to protect us long enough to keep his command to be baptized? Philip was in Samaria. God sent him to a remote area on the road to Gaza to preach to an Ethiopian eunuch traveling home by chariot. 
he sent Paul by a vision across the Aegean Sea to preach to Lydia and others in Philippi. All sorts of things could have happened to Lydia and the Ethiopian eunuch while Paul and Philip traveled to them. All sorts of things could have happened to Paul and Philip while they traveled. But God kept them all safe so that saints could preach the gospel to those who were seeking the Lord. Does it not seem possible that God could protect us long enough to go from the decision to be baptized to the waters of baptism? Why would God command baptism, tell us it was necessary for salvation, and allow us to die on our way to be baptized? This leads me to a couple of questions we must contend with. By entertaining this hypothetical, are we expressing doubts about the doctrine of baptism, or are we doubting the providence of God? In closing, I believe the thief will be in heaven because I believe what Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. But upon closer examination, I find it difficult to believe the statement, the thief on the cross proves one does not need to be baptized to be saved. A faulty set of assumptions underlie this statement, among which is, we don't know the thief was never baptized. Many assume that was the case, but no one can say it with certainty. Regardless, after Jesus died and was raised, baptism changed its meaning and purpose. Salvation and baptism are in the name of Jesus. We are baptized into the death of Jesus, united with his death and resurrection. Our sins are removed when we are buried and raised with him. We also should remember that the thief, like John and Jesus, lived under the auspices of the old law. John and Jesus represent a transition from the law and the prophets, but the change was only complete once Jesus died. With the death of Jesus, the covenant changed, and with the change in covenant, we see a shift in the meaning and purpose of baptism. And I trust in the power of God to protect us from the moment we believe until the moment we are baptized. Thanks for watching. Please help me preach the gospel by subscribing to the channel, giving the video a thumbs up, and leaving a comment. Your subscription, thumbs up, and comment help other people to hear the good news of Jesus Christ.